Mmm. Is this Schmedicant? No, actually, it's only Schmedicant if it comes from the Schmedicant region. This is Schmanners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? <sighs> so good. So good. Listen, so good. here's the deal. It's 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 always good because it could always be worse. Uh, <laughs> is that I think that's nice. <laughs> I think that's nice. I think that's good. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, ramping up. It's um, the holiday season. Yeah, we are. <laughs> some We decided in our house that we, uh, as, as well as getting ready for everything else, I, I also need to redo the floor in the basement <laughs> so that someone can stay down there on Christmas Eve. So it's a perfectly normal, not chaotic time here <laughs> um, at all. And it's great. And everything's wonderful. Yes. Um, but you know what else it is? What? It's the time of the year for a lot of celebrations. Indeed. A lot of celebrations. Uh, it's the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, and hoop de doo And tra-la-la. I don't know the idea. Dickery Doc? And I, it? I think that, uh, at least for me, it's impossible for me to not associate champagne with celebrations. At the very least, uh, you know, sparkling wine. We'll I feel like this, those but... those bubbles make the occasion a celebration. Well, I think we had a question about this um, where uh, Scarlett asked, why was it picked as a celebratory drink? And I don't know if there's an actual reason listed in the notes or anything, but it has to be the pop, right? I think so. Right, where there's something about the the anticipation of it. It's a communal event. When you watch somebody do it and pop it, right? It's like that, ah, right? It's, yeah. it's it's like a little cheer as it pops. It's and a the, tiny surprise party for your drinking glass. Wait, and as you said, the bubbles, right? The bubbles. It's, it's visually interesting. It has that like foamy quality to it. Um, and uh, can I just start off with an anecdote that has, uh, that's tan- tangent. Chili, right? Well, Whatever. of course you can. Connected to champagne. That's your job on this show. That's correct. Miller High Life has the nickname Champagne of Beers. Mm-hmm. And it is because it used to be their like fancy, expensive line, mm-hmm. right? And it was the beer for like rich folks for celebration. And then they were like, well, we want to open the market up and we want to get more people to drink it, right? So they started marketing it to uh, the common folk as well. At which point, rich people were like, well, we don't want to drink it anymore. <laughs> and so then it became a kind of uh, almost sarcastic, ironic champagne of beers. But there was a time where it was the champagne of beers. I believe that advertising technique is called the snobbery. Sure. That's true. Uh, also, one other thing. I have a tattoo of clinking champagne glasses. You do. On my uh, left shoulder uh, in honor of Teresa. Because every day with you is a celebration. No. Yeah. Because I will also say, just to show a little bit of my bougie side, our bougie side, I think uh, ooh, slowly, quit a little bit, our favorite uh, wine is sparkling wine. Well, I I ain't above a, a bottle of $5 bubbly. So. This is true. And this is the thing is, when I tell people that, they're like, 
what? And I think because they're imagining like $100 champagne. And it's like, no, 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 no. Sparkling wine, guys. Not champagne. And then people are like, well, but aren't you only supposed to drink at celebration? I'm like, well, every day is a celebration with my beautiful wife. So should we like right out the gate talk about like champagne versus like the other kind? Or do we want to like get into history? Okay, so let's let's do a brief history. Okay. Um, so you know wine? You know <laughs> we wine. We put gas in it. Uh, okay. The Champagne region of France is a, a bountiful area in the northeast of France, just a little bit outside of Paris. Okay. It's, uh, it's well known for winemaking uh, long before the bubblies were ma- being manufactured. Mm-hmm. Um, the Champagne as the bubbly sparkling wine we all know and love didn't actually exist until probably the 17th century, but its origins can be traced back nearly 2,000 years to ancient Romans. Oh, okay. Uh, in 987, Hugh Capet was crowned... 987, wait, can we just 987, huh? Yeah. Okay, that's not important, but I like it. ...was crowned the King of France at the Cathedral of Reims and um, started the tradition of hosting monarchs in Champagne, the area, okay. um, so that he could show off the local wines, right? Um, and he is pretty much the reason why French wine is synonymous with good wine. Oh, because he worked so hard, he did a full-blown like ag campaign for totally it. Totally did. Okay. Totally did. Um, so the drink at the time was uh, this early wine, which was a pale pinkish drink made from Pinot Noir. Okay, great, so a little bit right. like a blush, or it was just pale because... Well, yeah, you know? I mean, it would have been a little bit like rosé. Okay. Uh, and the bubbles were actually a mistake. <gasps> sure. Is that the right sting? No. That? No. Wah, wah. No, that's a disappointment no. sting. Bah, 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 bah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, the people of the region, Champenois... I'm sorry, what? That's the name. That's their name. The people, the people of Champagne. Of Champagne. Okay. Were jealous of their neighbors in Burgundy, who were very well known already yes. for their very famous wines. And color. Um, well, because. They invented the color, too. They, well. You don't know, do you? I don't know either, but I said it with confidence. <laughs> okay, so Southern Burgundy. Uh, was the perfect climate for the very bold, delicious red wines sure. that they had made. And, I mean, it's it's very interesting because the climates in France are, are quite varied, right? Especially when it comes to growing grapes. Mm-hmm. But the wine growers in Champagne, they wanted to try and copy the wines from southern France. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> It's different grapes. <laughs> because changes in temperature vastly affect wine production. Um, not only when you grow the grapes, when you ferment the grapes, it's it the temperature is is very important. So what would happen is they would make the wine and put it in their cellar to age, and then the cold winters would stop the fermentation. The yeast would go to sleep, right? Sure. But then in the summer, the yeast would wake up all at once and the sudden change caused carbon dioxide gas to release inside the bottle. 
But it was sealed, so it had nowhere to go. So it exploded. <gasps> oh, no. Right. Is this when they started developing the different bottle shapes? Mm-hmm. And the thickness of the glass. Yeah, right? so this is the thing... Um, the the shape of a of a champagne bottle and like that curved bottom mm-hmm. uh, is all about like the structural integrity of the bottle so that it doesn't shatter under the pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same with the shape of the cork, which is differently shaped than like you know a red wine cork or white that goes all the way in. It's it has to be like spread out and pressurized once it's inside so that the cork won't pop. Right. So it was an accident, and they were they tried to avoid the carbonation really like. At all costs. It was at the time considered to be a tragic flaw in an otherwise beautiful bottle of wine, right? Okay. But then, as things do, tastes changed. Following the death of King Louis the Fourteenth uh, uh, in seventeen, wait, X I V fourteen. Fourteen, you nailed it. I did it. I did it in seventeen fifteen. Can I just say, this is a thing that recurs on the show, of you will hit like a Roman numeral and I will watch you go, Louis the... (laughs) 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 And it's funny to me every time, because what I see is you know it. I know it. And then you go, that's not (laughs) it. No, there's no way. (laughs) Self-doubt. I know, it gets you every time. Okay. And now we're in the court of uh, Philippe II, better known as the Duke of Orleans, right? Sure. Oh, yeah, that guy. I know of him from Shakespeare. Yes. But is he in Three Musketeers? I think he is. Maybe. And he said, I like it. And so everyone else was like, of course, I yeah. like it too. This is, by the way, one of my favorite things throughout history is a lot of things that we think of as like really fancy and like high priced now yeah. were things that were like discards or like oysters, lobster, champagne, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these things that were like, oh no, gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um so champagne is uh that very specific wine from that very specific region with the very specific bubbles that everybody loves. And then in the 20th century, we start to hit a few little bumps like in the a, road. Like a war or two? Not only that, uh, more like an outbreak of, I'm going to butcher this, phylloxera. Sure. Okay. So they're bugs, right? Tiny little bugs that feed on the leaves and roots of grapevines. And it actually drove, there's devastation in France was so widespread in uh, 1910 and 1911 that vineyard growers began rioting. Wow. Okay. And because of this bug, right, many of the French artistic icons were turning to absinthe. Okay. Instead of champagne. And this market that they had very carefully over centuries, like, defined as, like, the epitome of sophistication was just crumbling because of this bug. Okay. And the... uh, Russian and American clients were lost to the Russian Revolution and Prohibition and the World Wars. And it was just not a great time. Not a great time. To be a Ventner. But like many things after World War II, we got a boom. We got a boom. 
In the 1950s, champagne was again associated with luxury I bet and that celebration. There was a, I bet there was a big push as like uh, U.S. soldiers, as well. I mean, probably soldiers of every nationality, came back from France and like told stories about like experiences they had in France and things they saw in France. And people were like, oh, hmm. French, French stuff sounds cool, right? Indeed. I bet that was that. So sales quadrupled. Wow. People wanted bottles for weddings and birthdays and graduations and anniversaries. And basically, the it wasn't a special celebration without Dom Perignon, let's say. Sure. Right? Um, that doesn't quite continue today. The sales don't haven't haven't seen the kind of like boom and rise because people are now savvy to the fact that sparkling wine can come from anywhere. Yes. So why pay champagne prices? Well, this is the thing, right? If we've reached a point in uh, just botany and agriculture where we are able to control growing uh, circumstances a lot more, so you're not just trapped by, well, we can't grow that here or that only grows there, right? Because we have like greenhouses and we have, you know, Mm -hmm. grow lights and we have climate control. And Mm -hmm. so this idea of, listen... If you're listening to this in France, I like champagne. I do. Champagne with a capital C. Right. I enjoy Yeah, I have no problem with it whatsoever. But it is not to me. There, there are, I, I think what it is, is there are things that become luxury inherent, right? Mm-hmm. Where it, I was talking with someone about this the other day, right? These things where, to me, they are special because they cost more. Right, okay. because of the inherent, like that thing is fancy, not because it tastes better or is better or whatever. Right, where it's just like when you are celebrating something, when something is a special occasion, there is a perception to this thing that makes it seem more special. And not because I don't think anybody's like, mm, you know what I could really go for right now? You know what would really hit the spot? That $500 bottle of champagne, <laughs> right? Like, I don't think that's something you do because you're thirsty, right? right? Or because you had a hard day at work, exactly. right? It's like the thing that's like, this is associated with, oh, how, spe- ooh, should we splurge? Should it, like, well, we'll all we'll split it, right? That kind of yeah. thing. Um, Which isn't great for sales, right? Because of that thing of like, no one's like, oh, it's been a hard week at work. Yes, I'll take the $40 glass of champagne, yeah. right? Like, no. Yeah. Have you heard about the champagne coupe, right? I have. Uh, the bowl. And I would love to talk to you about it right after this thank you note for our sponsors. I want to tell you about StoryWorth. Me? Yes. Tell me. Okay. Tell me a story. Well, okay. Here we go. So this holiday season, you should give someone something. Mm -hmm. Yes. No. (laughs) Wait. No. Give them a gift that makes them feel special and unique with StoryWorth. So StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. Now, this is a thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately. We have two kids who are wildly adorable and precious and wonderful and and growing every day what and um recently my dad through a whole thing uh had some photo albums ruined right Mm -hmm. and i've been thinking a lot about like we have all these different means to like preserve memories and to preserve these like physical you know like memories like photos and letters and stuff like that 
are we doing and not like, are we capitalizing on these methods? So every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Props like, uh, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? If you could see into the future, what would you want to find out, right? Things like this that are going to help you capture that moment in time, not just in photo form, but like who you are, what you're thinking, what you're feeling in that moment. And after one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. It's almost like somebody holding your hand through writing a journal. Right, because imagine, like, there are moments where if someone asked me right then, like— Not only a journal, a memoir. A memoir. If somebody said, like, what's the cutest thing BB did today, right, I can tell you. Right. But in 10 years, if someone's like, what's the cutest thing BB did on that day, I might not remember, right? And so that's why I think that this is an amazing option. And if you think it's an amazing option, which clearly you do, with StoryWorth, you're giving those you love a most thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. So go to storyworth.com slash schmanners and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash schmanners to save $10 on your first purchase. This week on Tights and Fights, Austin Creed, better known as WWE superstar Xavier Woods, unbalancing his many passions. This dude actually wants these ridiculous things. He wants to wear a crown. He wants to be at G4. He wants to have a Yacht Rock band. Like, he wants to DJ at a, at a festival one day. WWE and G4's Austin Creed on Tights and Bites. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so you were going to tell me about the glass, right? Because yes. there, there's the flute mm-hmm. and the coupe. Right. The coupe was a favorite of the French. Uh, so that's like the bowl-shaped one with the stem, right? And right. The flute is the, the one that's like tubular. One. Yes, exactly. Totally tubular. Was a favorite of the French, uh, particularly Marie Antoinette. Now I've heard, I've heard a myth, a rumor a legend, Mm -hmm. that it was based off of the shape of her breast. Indeed. Is that true? No, it's not. So here it is. Okay. Uh, Marie was born in 1775. One year before America was born. And the glass was invented at least half a century before that. How did they know what her breast was going to look like that far ahead of time? There must have been some, like, psychics there or something. So... Someday there will be a woman, and it will look like this. It is... it. The thing about Marie Antoinette came up because Marie Antoinette was, like, an icon of the time, right? But the idea of these cups... Uh, there were ancient Greek uh, drinking vessels called mastos cups, okay. mastos or mama. Right? Ah, okay. The Greek word for breast, you know, like mammogram sure. or mastectomy and things like right. that. Um, and it really does look sure. yeah. like yeah. a breast. N- nipple and everything. Indeed. Uh, they were used for everything from fertility rituals to, you know, every day, really. And it is based on someone's breast. So Just that, not Marie's. That is a thing, but it's not that. But right. from what we've talked about with Marie Antoinette and like that whole court, 
they were very good at self-publicity too, right? Mm-hmm. Like having these weird wild parties. Marie Antoinette did this thing that I love very much where she would like have a tea party, but the tea party was set up in the middle of like a miniature farm. Mm-hmm. And they would like dress in the fancy version of like farm clothes and like just be surrounded by like sheep and cows and stuff. And it had a lot also to do with the press. The French press was very cruel. Yeah, to you Marie put coffee Antoinette. in it and you push it down. I don't know. Because, you know, the idea, it, it was like a love to hate her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a uh, a tabloid star before tabloids were a thing because it was, she represented the, like, opulence of, of the royal class of the bourgeoisie mm-hmm. where it was, like, the opul the the amount of money that they would spend on like one meal and then throw everything away and the destruction of it and everything right like she and was it Louis the sixteenth yeah I think whatever her Louis was mm-hmm. came to represent everything that was wrong with the rich yeah 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 um okay so there's a lot of Louis in there you guys come on so change it up let's talk Make a little bit Louis. about the flute versus the coupe now. To be clear. Oh, yes. They're both made of glass. Champagne cocktails look fabulous in those beautiful cups, the the coupes. But here's the problem with them. Champagne is served cold. Indeed. And when you hold the cup in your hands, you're going to warm the drink. That's why the flute, you hold it at the base, right? And then your hand isn't on or your hand is at the base and you're not heating the entire drink. Exactly. So it's for... Champagne cocktails is the best use of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and really, a lot of cocktails look really good in it. They do. More they and look more, beautiful. More and more, I see a lot of whiskey cocktails being served in them as well. But, Lovely. Yeah. Um, and the bubbles, right? So the thing about the champagne flute is with that long stem that actually is hollowed, there should be quite a lot of champagne down the stem because what you want is that beautiful trail of tiny bubbles going all the way from the bottom to the top. And you can drop raisins in there and then the raisins kind of float. No, don't do that. Do that in ginger ale if you want to do it. Don't do it in champagne. (laughs) You can put a small, um, like, I have seen a current in the bottom, which can which can help with the nucleation sites, right, to create those bubbles to get the that trail going. I've seen people do that before when it's like, oh, this bubbly is kind of flat. Exactly. Right. Because half of the taste is in the effervescence, right? Ooh. That's what makes it special. So when you serve uh, just regular, like just champagne by itself, sparkling wine, in the bowl of the of the coupe. It releases too quickly. No. Oh, it doesn't. Actually, it doesn't release. It doesn't release. So uh, you get a kind of like burst in your mouth of the of the large bubbles, but you don't get that even coating of the tiny effervescent bubbles. Now, here's what I will say, and this sounds like a winky joke, but if you ever decide, like, you know what I want to do? I've seen it in Great Gatsby or whatever. I'm going to stack up the champagne and pour from the top. <laughs> Use coops for that. Yes. They're whiter, uh-huh. easier to stack. Easy, easier stack. Don't do that with flutes. <laughs> You're going to be very sad. Also, um, let me just throw out, oh, okay. um, polycarbonate, the unbreakable, it's a good way to go. BB <laughs> likes to have what she calls kid wine. 
because Teresa and I enjoy sparkling. So we've gotten her like, you know, the sparkling the cider. Or yeah. whatever. Sparkling, you know, grape juice and stuff. And she wants to have glasses like we have. So we got a bunch of these like, you know, the like unbreakable polycarbonate stuff. And then I was like, oh, this is great because I'm a big old Shrek and I break stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use these too. I like them. Because they don't break even when you accidentally karate chop them. <laughs> okay. So... Um, let's, let's do a couple more just basic etiquette things. Okay. Um, the champagne bucket, right? The chilling bucket that you often see next to the table. You should not fill it halfway, right? Because it's, it looks nice to see the bottle poking out of the bucket, but that's not good for the wine. Uh Um, it creates an uneven taste in the chilling of the wine, um, because you're going to taste the sweeter, you're going to taste a lot more sweet in wine that is uh, closer to room temperature, right? The colder that it is, the drier it tastes, and the less sweet it'll taste. Now, speaking of that, do you have in there talking about the different forms, the extra dry, the brute, the dry? No. Okay, but I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick. Oh, boy. Um, Travis Googles. So uh, you want to make sure that the that the bottle of champagne is not, quote, fully submerged, but, you know, up to the neck for sure. Um, you can even add water to the bucket to make it easier for you to dig that bottle down. Um, don't put two in there at once. They're not meant for two. It'll just make it unevenly chilled again. If you have a couple of bottles, you know, leave one in the fridge for a little bit. But you should never serve champagne icy either. Um, If you've ever had those tiny little ice flakes in your drink, it's fun for about two seconds. And then you're like, I don't want to chew my drink. Okay, so here it is. Are you ready? It's very confusing. Because if you see something labeled extra dry, Mm -hmm. extra dry champagnes are only fairly dry and have some residual sugar, right? So they're sweeter. Brut, B-R-U-T, is the driest, Mm -hmm. not extra dry, right? Which means it's the least sweet, right? And then if you see extra sec, it's a French term that also means extra dry. Um, Demi-sec is half dry, which is like a sweet sparkling wine. Right. Right? So extra dry is less dry than brute. Mm-hmm. Also, as long as we're talking about chilling uh, the champagne. Oh, that's so scary. Champagne, you should not chill your glasses beforehand. I know with some champagne cocktails, it looks really cool, right? But again, it affects the taste. And the only thing that should be served in a frosty glass, as far as I'm concerned, is a root beer. And... And a martini. But I also want to talk about, so we're talking about cocktails a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I want to touch on mimosas for a second. Because we got a question about this that I really wanted to address. That question uh, comes from Jello, who asks, <laughs> how many bottles of champagne does one realistically need for bottomless mimosas if you're hosting? Listen, mimosas are great. Especially these days, people get creative, all kinds of juice in there. You do not need to break the bank when buying <laughs> sparkling wine, buy sparkling wine, not champagne, for mimosas, right? Because like, the juice is, basically what you're doing is adding alcohol and bubbles to right. your juice. The juice is the forward flavor, right? You're adding that flavor to it. And so it's, I, I have had many, many mimosas in my life. 
I have never once enjoyed one more than the other, depending on how much money was spent on it. Indeed. Right? Um, also, if you are doing like a bot, if you're having friends over and part of it is like, or you're hosting and part of it is like, this is brunch, we're doing mimosas, get bigger bottles, mm-hmm. right? Because like champagne and a sparkling wine, wine in general comes in different sized bottles. Get a larger bottle and use it up instead of a bunch of small bottles. It'll cost more if you get a bunch of small bottles. Mm-hmm. Save money by just getting bigger bottles and using them up. Oh, uh, I, another thing for mimosas is I've also heard that you should fill the glass with juice and then top it with the champagne. Uh, because, well, if you want to be a square. Because if you put the champagne in first, you'll release all the gas when oh, you pour sure. the juice on top. And also, if you're doing bottle with mimosas, don't go wild at the beginning, right? Have a nice, even day throughout and eat lots of eggs and bread. <laughs> okay. Um, Michael asks, what's the deal with Prosecco versus Champagne, and why does it make my Italian friends so wrathful? Well, Prosecco originated in Italy, and Champagne originated in Champagne, France. And so it's just yeah, different. They're both sparkling wines. They have different flavor profiles, for sure. Yeah. I actually, I prefer Prosecco. That's okay. Yeah. You're allowed. Thank you. Um, so Emily asks, how do you hold the glass? Mm-hmm. Um, so... As much as little as you can is the answer. <laughs> is the answer. I would not recommend placing the um, the bottom of the glass on your open palm. Don't do that. That's a great way to spill a, this a glass true. of wine. Um, but two or three fingers at the at you know where you feel comfortable in the stem. Right. If you see, I I always try to do it where the. Uh, bottom of the glass part starts to turn into stem, right? Mm-hmm. That's where I feel the most control. But if you ever watch any like period things, a champagne flute is very much a gesturing glass, right? People move it around as they like move their hand, right? It's it's almost an accessory at times, um, as opposed to like if you're gesturing with a glass of whiskey in a movie, you look drunk. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Um, so, uh, Thene Bean asked, are there specific situations that call for specific kinds of champagne, brute versus extra dry, et cetera, just like people pair reds and whites with specific stuff, seems like different purposes of champagne have various purposes. I mean, I would say that in the pairing, when you're talking about like a sweeter goes with more of a after dinner uh, dessert. I mean, it's certainly it, it, I would say the rules of wine apply if you're a dessert wine. If if that is the time that you are serving the sparkling, you want you want it to be sweeter. Uh, if it is for, a, you know, an, a before dinner cocktail, I would say stay away from the super sweet. Go for a very dry champagne. Yeah. Uh, just because it, it kind of like wets the mouth a little more for your food. Yeah, I, I I, mean, this is just my gut, and if there's any sommeliers listening, please tweet at us, at Schmannerscast, and let me know if I'm wrong. I won't address it, but it'll be nice to know that I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I would say brute- Will bef- it, though? Brute before dinner, extra dry during dinner, and sweeter after dinner. That's my gut. If All you're right. Gonna do it. Man, once it, we've talked about this show a lot on this show, but Supersizers Go um, is great if you can find it, with Sue Perkins and Giles Corrin, uh, where they, like, live, or they, like- dress and eat and exercise and act of the time period that they are like living in for a week. And man, there's like a time period, I think it's during like World War II, but like they will list meals 
where it's just like, uh, second course, champagne and the rest. Third course, champagne and the rest. Fourth course, champagne and the rest. And it was like a during dinner drink. Um, let's see. Who else? It was probably not during World War II. Well, that was I think for, it was the that 20s. Was for, that's when he goes down and he eats like uh, uh, Winston Churchill. And then the bunker was like, yeah, but Winston oh. Churchill was having champagne. Oh, yeah. okay. They um, did drink a lot in the 20s episode, yes. though. Uh, let's see. One more. Haven asks, when do you buy champagne instead of wine? I know wine is good for parties and like, but isn't champagne just as good? I don't get when to use one over there. If you're talking about like red and whites versus sparkling mm-hmm. instead of like sparkling versus champagne, because I don't think you can do it whenever. Uh, but I think <sighs> this is when it comes down to a lot of wine is based on personal taste, right? Absolutely. And so I would say, I think if you're having a party, sparkling is more fun, right? I think it, it I am effervescent <laughs> and I want my drink to be effervescent. Because I want my party to be effervescent, and I want my alka seltzer to be I effervescent. I think okay. What I'm saying, yes, well, I I would like to make an addendum. If you are having a stand up, mill around party, I think champagne sparkling wine is great. Yes. If you're having a sit down to dinner party, yeah. you want reds and whites to go with whatever meal. Yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. Cocktail party, champagne, dinner party, still. Is that? I don't think people call it still, still wine. wine. <laughs> I don't think that they no, but tap I could, wine. Tap wine. <laughs> I couldn't think of a different way to say it. Flat. <laughs> I'll take a nice flat wine, please. That can't be it. That can't be it. I think it's just wine. But I don't want to... Sparkling and wine. <laughs> sparkling and not sparkling. That can't be right. I don't know. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with still. Okay. Sommeliers, please tweet at us. No, don't tweet at me about that one, actually. <laughs> I just want to live in my wrongness because I, I want How to. How is that any different from normal? That's fair. I want to be at a restaurant and be like, do you have any still whites? And just see what. <laughs> now this red, is it flat? <laughs> you can go and do that without me. Thanks. No, I'm going to do it in front of you. I'm going to have BB ask for me. BB, BB, say the thing. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been a super fun episode. Thank you, Alex for helping with the research. We would not be able to do this without you. Thank you, Rachel, for editing the episode. We would not be able to do this without you. And thank you for you, for for you listening for you. <laughs> oh, no. For you. Uh, wanted to let everybody know, because of the holidays and stuff, we won't have an episode next week. But, I don't know, make up your own Schmanners episode and record it for your friends. What a fun holiday tradition. Um, so also you- a fun holiday tradition. Go and donate to Harmony House by watching Candlelight. It was so fun. I had a great time. Can I say, I, I after we recorded our segment, I then instantly forgot what we said and did in it. <laughs> so then rewatching it was yeah. so funny to me. So I was fun. like, wow, we said some funny stuff. Uh, so you can check that out. Bit.ly slash Candlelight 2021. Tickets are just $5 and those proceeds go to Harmony House. Uh, it's a shelter in Huntington helping people who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, you can go check out all the stuff at McElroy.family. If you want to see all the other McElroy projects, you can go to McElroyMerch.com for all of the McElroyMerch.com. Um, <laughs> also, and we say this just about every season, uh, holiday season, but be careful out there. Um, you know, we talked a lot about champagne and, and alcohol and stuff in this episode. Don't drink and drive. Don't get in a car with anybody who's been drinking. 
Um, if you're on the roads, be safe. Uh, if it's snowy and stuff where you are, be extra safe. Um, you know, we, we're heading towards the new year here, and we want to see the new year with you. So please be careful and make good choices from us, your Schmanner's host slash I don't know. Mom and dad. Mom and dad. <laughs> um, what else, Teresa? What else do we say? Well, we always thank Brent, Brentelfloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla and Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art at SchmannersCast is where we get all of these excellent questions. Um, and uh, like you said, please uh, tag us and, and tweet at us and, you know, let us know you're out there great. Um, also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners cover photo. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, you should join that group today, Schmanners Fanners. And if you have topic suggestions, if you have idiom submissions, if you want to say hello to Alex, you should email us schmannerscast at gmail.com I wish you all could see the focused look on Teresa's face as she recounts all that she's staring in the distance and there was one moment there where there was a tiny flub because I was looking at her so <laughs> intensely that she made eye contact with me and lost her place for a second yeah. <laughs> whoops hey that's gonna do it for us join us again next year oh no RSVP required you've been listening to Schmanners 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 get it MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Hey there, I'm Ellen Weatherford. And I'm Christian Weatherford. And we've got big feelings about animals that we just got to share. On Just the Zoo of Us, your new favorite animal review podcast, we're here to critically evaluate how each animal excels and how it doesn't, rating them out of 10 on their effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Guest experts give you their takes informed by actual, real-life experiences studying and working with very cool animals like sharks, cheetahs, and sea turtles. It's a field trip to the zoo for your ears. So if you or your kids have ever wondered if a pigeon can count, why sloths move so slow, or how a spider sees the world, find out with us every Wednesday on Just the Zoo of Us, which can now be found in its natural habitat on MaximumFun.org. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.